This is Dan Connors, and you're listening to the Seven Day Cooldown. I'm your host, Jack Eineker, General Manager of the 7-Day Cooldown. We have a tremendous show for you today. Assistant Director of Communication, Mitch Fryman, and site contributor John Sullivan will be sitting down with the young horses, the very talented minds behind Octodad, which won an independent games festival student showcase at the 2011 Games Developers Conference, otherwise known as GDC. But first, at the top of the show, we welcome CEO of Telltale Games, Mr. Dan Connors. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to be able to uh, tell you guys all about Telltale and what we're doing here. Also joining us as my co-interviewer is site contributor Christian Ivanovic, who we'll hear from a little bit later in the show. But Dan, we always like to start the cool down with a little bit of a softball question uh, to our guests. So let me ask you, uh, do you watch hockey and who are you rooting for in the NHL playoffs? <laughs> well, you know, I used to watch hockey. Um, but now I have to uh, divide my viewing up to just a couple sports. Uh, but uh, I will always be a Bruins fan. Uh, I saw a triple that was, overtime. That was a game. tough loss, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I caught that o- OT. That's a that's rough. And uh, yeah, I know all the people back in in Boston are. I'm sure they're taking it pretty hard. Um, but you know, we got the Celts coming up too. So uh, we'll we'll get over it. This is not a terrible time to be a uh, Boston fan. At, le- at least it's not last year with the uh, MLB playoffs. That's that's a, that's a heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but something to be thrilled about right now is the launch of the Walking Dead release. Uh, you've launched to wide critical praise. Uh, you know, we, I'm not available of your launch numbers as far as uh, you know sales have gone yet. But uh, you know, I, I anticipate this is going to be a great launch. Uh, but it has not come without problems. Uh, in my own playthrough of the game last night, it seemed to be suffering from server stress. Uh, my first question being, was Telltale truly prepared for the massive response of this game? And, and what lessons have you learned from the launch? What, what were you playing it on? I was playing it on my PC, uh, uh-huh. clearly. Uh, at uh, I, I've actually got a digital storm uh ODE level 3. So this is a it's, it's a pretty pretty killer machine and I'm pretty sure I just gave free advertising to Digital Storm. So <laughs> if if they're listening and want to support the site, we'd love to have you. But uh yeah, well well I apologize for your server stress. Uh we are doing a lot of things and in order to execute uh on everything we want to do across the season, uh we we really want to uh to understand um what's going on with the with the players and the player experience. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we're trying to, trying to get information that we can, um, but we're definitely only super critical choices. Um, you know, you notice you have that stat screen at the end. Um, that's something that we're going to be trying to keep updated in real time. Uh, and we just got to get our, our servers balanced to support all of that. And it's, we're supporting every single platform. So yeah, it's definitely a matter of, of, uh, Handling those those amounts of data. Well, I have to say that you kind of broke my heart uh, yesterday because when when I played the game, I got to the end and saw that screen uh, came up and and I was so excited to find out what other people had chosen and it came up and it was blank and I, I thought, oh man, this that they they really teased just a perfect ending to that uh, first episode. And now I, I don't get to find out what everybody else is doing. So hopefully that'll be fixed uh, in the upcoming weeks. Oh yeah, and we'll keep you. We'll keep people up to date uh, on an ongoing basis as we uh, as we start going through that data and figuring out how people are making their choices there. And uh, and you know you'll be able to see uh, going forward. We'll we'll keep that as a as a running stat. Now I'm sure that your team has had limitless playthroughs of this first episode, which is only about. You know, two hours long going through the first play through of the first episode, uh, and you're starting now to get fan responses. What evolutions 
can we expect from episodes four and five that are currently in development based on that fan feedback? Um, well, I think uh, we're always watching fan feedback in general, and, and a lot of it has been um, a lot of it has been reinforcing some of our thoughts and and, and making us realize that uh, the decisions we're making in, in two and three are going to continue to pay off on what people are enjoying. Uh, you know, I think the most important thing with the game right now is that it's compelling and that it compels you through. Uh, and the drama and the tension are really high. Uh, in that the tools we give people to interact with the game, uh, like uh, being able to make tough choices from a from a discussion, a dialogue standpoint, um, is something that the people are really liking. So we're going to continue to to pay off on that, and also, um, you know, just build scenarios that are going to make things more and more uh, difficult for the user to to uh, to figure out. How they want to, what they want to do, what they should do, what's right, what's wrong. Uh, you know, the the franchise, um, the franchise provides a lot of opportunity, and people are responding to it in the way that we we hoped they would. I'm I'm really excited to see how this game ends, especially after this great first episode. But at the same time, the ending of games and the question of entitlement has been highlighted in the news in the recent weeks with the Mass Effect Three controversy. Because your game is so intrinsically driven by player choice, what concessions or preparations have you made to avoid a similar problem for The Walking Dead? Well, I think Mass Effect, um, you know, I think Mass Effect tried to do something great and new and fresh, uh, and they pushed it to the limits, and, and, you know, it upset some people, but most people come away from it feeling like they had a really great time experiencing the content. Um, so we're just going to continue to uh, pay off on what we can pay off on really well, keep the dramatic tension high, make this feel like a compelling story, make you feel like you're in the world of The Walking Dead, and and make you feel like you're making, uh, like you're engaged and you're there and we're putting you on the spot and, and your decisions are having an impact on the game um, and in the mood of the players that you face and in your group and everything else. And and we feel like we can, we can deliver something that's a, a tailored experience for users where if they are going through and behaving in a certain way, uh, the game's gonna the game's gonna speak back to them uh, in a certain way, and and not, you know, I think there's there's some fantasies about what choice can lead to ultimately on in multiple directions of of gameplay, um, but you know they're they're pulling it off is is pulling it off and creating an experience where the user feels like they've really had an impact on what they've experienced is is definitely the goal. You know, moving on away from you know uh, Walking Dead. Uh, Christian actually has a bunch of questions regarding uh, other intellectual property that you'd be working on. So, Christian, why don't you take it from here and uh, ask a couple questions? All right. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Dan, as you know, Telltale has largely been known for its continued tradition towards developing adventure games. But what games can you envision on Telltale's horizon that would be of maybe a different genre? Telltale always, um, you know, we always set out knowing that our roots were in uh, the adventure game genre, we always believed that a genre that was separated uh, and differentiated from kind of the, the norm in games was adventure games because they were about story and character and environment and exploration. And, uh, and that's what we loved about adventure games, but we thought there were, there were other ways to do it and new ways to do it and new things to try. So really, we've been working, um, we've been working since we started and trying to take the best of what adventure games have to offer, but making them comp- compelling in a way that that modern audiences were feeling something different and something new. Um, and a lot of the work that we've done with our dialogue system, like in Walking Dead, and this idea of persistence and the choices that you make, um, these are all things that every new game that we do are gonna are gonna have in them. And really, the the franchises that we choose. You know, we've always prided ourselves in being able to do franchises in a way that other companies wouldn't or couldn't, um, but in a way that captured the, fran- the, the essence of the franchise and the things that were great about the franchise. So you know, we're still going to look at things that, that other people wouldn't think of as being games and, and turn them into really uh, fun, engaging, compelling, interactive experiences. All right. Uh, uh, what has stopped Telltale from developing your own IP? Well, um, you know, we've always set out uh, to to build a company around being it, creating great storytelling in games, and that's really been the goal at the core of it. 
Um, so our belief is that there are a ton of stories out there that have been vetted and tested by the public that they enjoy and they love. And uh, going out and, and trying to build something from scratch, though um, sexy and appealing to, to pretty much everybody, is also a, a really large, large task. So um, we felt, hey, there's these great, there's this great content out there. It needs a game component. It needs a game built on it. Um, let's be the guys that, that can do that with the stuff that we love and the stuff that we know people love um, instead of also as an independent not always taking the risk on of, of trying to get uh, a brand new franchise out there. You know, now that, now that Telltale has some more publishing strength and muscle, um, it certainly becomes more and more of a possibility that we will do it in the future. Yeah, well, um, and you know, with games like Jurassic Park and Back to the Future, you know, are you guys uh, traditionally approached to make these games? Like, do they come after you, or do you guys actually ask them to make the games? Uh, well, you know, we have relationships um, with a lot of people in the industry, and, um, and you know, we just talk about li different licenses at different times, and, and there's different motivations for wanting to get a game made about your franchise. Um, Back to the Future and Jurassic Park were both doing Blu-ray releases, and the idea of having uh, Telltale building a game at the same time made a lot of sense. Um, so we went and, and worked on it together, and it was a great, mutually beneficial relationship for for both Telltale and uh, and the folks over at Amblin, and you know, being able to to engage Bob Gale uh, from from the original executive producer of Back to the Future and work with him in creating a story, a brand new story around those characters, is uh, you know a once in a lifetime experience for for any creative. Um, but uh, it, it was some, an opportunity that worked for both parties, and we decided to go for it. Wow. Uh, you know, and speaking of new franchises, what drew you to developing Fables as a property? You know, do you guys see yourselves following the source content or exploring parallel stories like The Walking Dead? Um, I think Fables is going to be a parallel story. Um, and uh, it's right now we're working on it. We're, obviously, we're going to focus on, on the characters that have been super popular in the series. Um, and, um, you know, we're really, really excited to be working with, um, with Bill Willingham and, and the team over at DC, uh, to nail the, to nail the feel of it. Um, I think the coolest thing with Fables right now is the Walking Dead, um, graphic novel presentation that we're doing that's, that's working really well for, for the Walking Dead game is going to be able to be used, um, in a different way, uh, for Fables, but in a way that's just as, uh, beautiful artistically as um, as WD is and uh, and really holds up as this living graphic novel uh, concept that that we've been lucky enough to to have with Walking Dead and uh, and um, Fables. Yeah, and you know you mentioned Jurassic Park, and you know given the uh, the I guess like the okay reviews, like the fifty five out of a hundred on Metacritic. Uh, are you are there like any plans for a sequel after those current episodes? Uh, you know, and if you do, uh, what would you do differently? Well, I think, um, I think JP, whether we'll do another JP or not, uh, I, I think we would do different, different things if we did. I, I wouldn't say we're, we're going to, uh, at the moment. Um, but it certainly is something where, uh, you know, Telltale has always been, um, aggressive in pushing the envelope, whether it's the way we, distribute games, the way we present games, episodically, digitally, um, the way that we, we try to push the adventure game um, genre forward. And, and Jurassic Park was really a way for us to go after um, dr dr um, dramatic tension and pacing, which, um, which we really feel like we did something in that game that, that really hasn't been done in the space before, but we made some choices there that... Um, that made it a little bit uh, a little bit too casual for some of the hardcore users. So, um, you know, returning to direct control, I think, is a big deal. And, and I think JP with with some of the Walking Dead interface in it would be a different experience. Uh, and that probably would be where we would start. Um, but certainly, with without JP, there is no Walking Dead. So um, we're certainly glad we did it and, and proud of proud of it for what it is. Uh, it's just a huge. The source material is epic in proportion. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that creates really high expectation. Yeah, and, you know, seeing as Jurassic Park really did, you know, influence you guys to do The Walking Dead in a much better way, 
you know, uh, like where where did the marginally uh, changing sequels like are the norm? Uh, with with Jurassic Park specifically, do you think that Telltale was unfairly criticized for trying something new with Jurassic Park? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think we were. You know, come on, guys, lighten up. Um, yeah, you know, hey, it, it's the a lot of the criticisms were were valid, and and we take it to heart, and we we take to heart everything people say, and you know. There's a lot of hype on both ends. People can be overly negative about things, and people can be overly positive about things. And and uh, you know, hopefully, you can you can stay even keeled about it all, and and continue to do your job and and, and improve and do the best you can. And that, that's what we do. Um, but uh, you know, I think there were re reviews about JP that were like, I enjoyed it, but I'm afraid to give it a good score um, because I liked it, but it didn't feel like a game to me. Maybe a lot of that, and and maybe a threat of. Oh my God! They're going to take gaming out of games, and and that's going to be a, a scary proposition. So, um, you know, hey, it's it's uh, we're proud of it. We we created something unique that that um, that there isn't a lot of else in the genre. We had the the we committed to it and and delivered on it. And I think it's a nice story. And I think that some of the dinosaur moments really pay off well. So, um, and we've had a lot of people write us and say this is one of the best video gaming experiences I've ever had. Um, but it's definitely not for everybody, and and that's uh, certainly reviewers seem to be one of those groups of uh, people that uh, don't respond <laughs> as well to it. Well, well, uh, I really do thank you for answering all of my questions, and I'm just going to give it back to Jack now. So, Jack, thank, thanks, Christian. Um, just a quick follow up uh, on a couple earlier questions. Uh, do you have any plans to do? other universal or movie sequels it seems to be the direction that you're moving or maybe some could have been uh sequels to popular franchises such as uh serenity perhaps oh hey that's a good one you know um i remember talking about serenity back um back a few years back uh that was super super exciting for us um you know it, it's all about the when you're talking about something like serenity or Lost or you know the bad robot stuff. Um, it's it's all about the creator. Uh, it's all about the creator and and what they want to do with their properties because they're they're such huge forces. So um, you know we'd love to we'd love to work we we love to work with any brilliant creative that adds to our skill set. So you know that's that's what we want. We want a guy who who has created a great franchise like Serenity and says I want to do something. Uh, in games, and I don't want to do the standard fare. I want to do something unique and different and special, and I want to tell a great story. Um, and then we want to get together with them and work from the core, from the ground up on on a great, uh, great project. So, so let me ask you a hypothetical that you might get pretty often, but uh, if you could develop any property without limitation or money or time. What would it be? Without limitation, money, or time. Well, Job's looking at me and saying Pee Wee Herman. Um, so, I, so I don't know about that. Um, I, I'm taking that one into consideration. Um, my own personal favorite would be Fear of a Black Hat, um, but I don't know what we would do with it. Um, and, you know, often when I'm asked this question, um, I say, I can't remember what I say. Um, I get I do get asked it a lot. I don't know, you know, I love it. I I love it all. I love the challenge of of there's so much. Um I I'm open to every single franchise that there is and and I love diving into a new franchise. I love living an old franchise. Um it's all it's all super super exciting from from my standpoint. Um but those are those are a couple examples. Pee Wee Herman and, and Fear of a Black Hat. All right, shifting gears here a minute. Uh, several blogs, this is where the conversation gets tough, several blogs picked up a story in March citing a leaked launch list for the Wii U, and uh, The Walking Dead was among them. Uh, we would love for you to put these rumors to rest one way or another. Are you developing Walking Dead for the Wii U? A leaked launch list? Where did they get this leaked launch list? Sources unconfirmed, but... Can you uh, can you put these rumors to rest one way or another? And it and it came from Nintendo the the le the leak or we don't know we just it just came out in in March there was a leaked launch list that said Walking Dead is going to be on Nintendo on the Wii U when it launches that that's the, I haven't I haven't seen this rumor 
Um, that that was the gist of the rumor that The Walking Dead was launching on the Wii U. Ah, hmm. that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we certainly. Um, when does Wii U launch? Like September or something? Uh, well, hopefully it'll be uh, out at you know during E3 on production models on the floor. So we can only assume that you know we have. Uh, We're talking Christmas. Yeah, probably. Well, there's certainly, let me tell you this, if they want us on their launch list, um, there's ways we can be talked into it, um, but we're, but, you know. So you have not had specific conversations with Nintendo about having uh, Walking Dead on the Wii U? Well, I can't talk about any conversations I've had with anybody like Nintendo or, or Microsoft or, or Sony, but we tend to be platform agnostic and we take a lot of pride in our ability to get to any platform. So if people want us on the Wii U... Um, you know that that'd be cool, especially if there's a nice big audience there. We'd, we're super jazzed for for a new platform. So I guess you're not allowed to comment on whether or not you've received a development com- uh, a developer console for the Wii U. You no, know, yeah, I would never. That would be that would be bad form of me to to speak of what development platforms I have in in the studio. Um, so I, I can't really speak one way or the other to it. Um, but it's it's certainly not uh, right now. We're focused on PlayStation and. Uh, Xbox and PC, and we've got a lot of work to do to get the next four episodes uh, four episodes out. Um, we also still got to get our iPad, iPhone version out. So uh, we're pretty busy. Yeah, I, I understand that uh, this console generation is definitely not over for you. But uh, from what you have seen, um, from what's come out about the Wii U controller specifically, um, and that's ability to make your games more engaging, uh, what do you think? Have you have you seen the controller? Have you been able, uh, been up to date on uh, on playing with it? What what do you think that's going to bring to uh, the Telltale franchises? Well, I always um, I always love I always love when people push push things forward. Um, I think that Telltale is a company that can take advantage of a controller. I you know I've only seen it in demos, um, so I what I've seen looks super cool, and uh, you know I think it's going to push everybody if it works. It's going to push everybody in that direction, and I think it's going to be great for our content. You know, anything that we're we're always proud of the fact that that our games map across multiple platforms uh, and multiple multiple controllers, and anything that makes it more um, more immersive, um, that's a, a great thing for us, and it creates new ideas for us and new concepts that we can exploit. Uh, kudos to uh, kudos to Nintendo for for going for it and, and pushing and pushing things forward there. How in your uh, eyes do you think this compares to, say, the iPad uh, when you're actually holding your hand? I've actually not had a, uh, had a chance to test out the Wii U. Um, but from your perspective, from a developer perspective that's developed on multiple consoles, uh, do you think that that compares or would you be taking a comparable approach? I don't have enough information really to, to, to get too deep into it. Um, you know, I love, I love the iPad. I think... Uh, I love the iPad as a as a device and what it's been able to do and how we've been able to work with that. Um, so, you know, any anything that breaks down old walls and, and creates new opportunities for uh, for us to to interact with our games, we think I think is a good thing. But I don't have enough information on uh, on using the Wii U controller to really give you any any honest feedback. You'll have to talk to someone at Nintendo. Uh, a couple last questions. You know, there's been a uh, lack of multiplayer in your games, uh, specifically because of the design of them. How do you think you could leverage multiplayer in uh, upcoming games? Well, you know, I think one one cool thing about our games is they're really fun to play together. Um, and a lot of people sit down and, and one person plays and, and for a while and then they try to solve puzzles together. And, and I think our games, now even more so with JP and Walking Dead, are almost as fun or fun to watch as well so we've always had this idea of people uh, experiencing it together like they might a show the idea of having a couple controllable characters I think is an exciting one and um, you know we're going to continue to 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 research um, to research that uh, I think from an from an R&D perspective um, we're still really focused on making interactive narrative feel um, feel integrated into the game and feel right and feel like it's a, a compelling experience. Uh, once we're there, I think having people being able to do it together is the direction we will go. Um, I don't see us as like a massive multiplayer 
type of um, community type of experience, but I do see us as a couple of people being able to get together and experience the story together. Now, one last thing before we go. Uh, it seems that, uh, or excuse me, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your games are not available on Origin at the current moment, are they? They are not available on Origin at the current moment. Could you uh, comment on, on how that came to be and whether or not you will be moving over to the Origin platform? Um, yeah. Um, you know, Origin's, Origin's new. And um, we, um, we're always interested in new platforms. We're, it seems like they're a good one. Um, so we're looking forward to being partners with them, and it's just a matter of uh, dotting the T's and crossing the I's. So you've actually been in talks with uh, Origin to bring uh, bring games over there, or is this uh, is this something that's ongoing, or is this something that that might be in the future? Uh, it might be in the future. I think that it's it. We should be we should be getting it done uh, here fairly soon. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you very much for being on the show. We've really right, enjoyed yeah. you. Um, Likewise. Just a couple uh, shout-outs to uh, Redditors, uh, P. McBee, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, Seuss, Sada Gamer, Drooling Iguana, Hermer, Prince Oren, and Here Be Gyarados, who all supplied uh, some great questions for this interview. Uh, but that's about it, and uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us over here. Now get back to your uh, cake and champagne. All right, I will do that. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Christian. You guys, good luck with everything on the uh, on the podcast. It's been uh, a fun time. And stay tuned after this break. We have Assistant Director of Communication, Mitch Fryman, and Stike contributor, John Sullivan, who will be sitting down with the young horses, the very talented minds behind Octodad. joined by the young horse horses team uh who some made octodad some of them some of them they're obviously not all of them we have That's a lot of horses yeah <laughs> we have devin scott tunkin he's Hi. a programmer majdi badri a designer and kevin zoon the lead design creative direction hey all right well first off uh i recently discovered this game octodad from Seananners, uh, actually, who I follow on YouTube. So let, let's jump into that. What do you guys think about the coverage from Seananners? Uh, it's pretty outstanding. I actually didn't know anything about Seananners, um, but I was actually at my day job, um, and this girl that worked at a different office was started uh, being like, "Hey, I saw I saw that game that was in your portfolio on the uh, on the Seananners, and it was pretty awesome." I was like, "I didn't expect that to happen." So. Uh, we we get a lot of our marketing seems to be through YouTube videos because there's a couple playthroughs that have had like almost a million views and that's been way way better for us than any other marketing outlet. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fans found us from those let's plays and watching people comment and curse and kick their way through the first game um, has um, attracted. A lot more fans than we'd expect. Right. I mean, the game itself, if I could give it, like, a, a line, I would call it aggravatingly fun. I found myself yelling at the screen so much, and yet I was having fun. I had a great time doing it. And um, as I did today, uh, I'm not sure who here op operates the Twitter, but I did my speed run on, uh, on Twitch and got 14 minutes and 26 seconds with the two extra levels. I seem to be getting close, apparently, to your guys's. Um, I was told you guys do seven minutes for the house levels. I think I got seven minutes and fifty-six for the house. What tripped you up? <laughs> um, I forgot to knock over the the um, the stacked blocks. I didn't know that was a mission. I normally just accidentally do that while running through the race, 
And this time I like snuck by it and I didn't know. So that, that tripped me up the most in the house. But uh, that's more of my, my error. That key gave you problems though, Mitch. Right, but the key's after the house level. Like I think oh, that's, that's, true. that's the extra. The key is the most aggravating part of the game. Okay, so uh, you guys did a Kickstarter pretty recently. Unfortunately, I didn't didn't know about it. I missed it. Well, I guess this was actually last year, correct? Yeah, it was. We, we have all the names of the donors, so we already know that you didn't donate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually wanted to. I tried to, and it's like, sorry, this is closed. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, did Notch have something to do with Kickstarter with you guys? Uh, He was the top donor to our Kickstarter project, and he tweeted about it, so... That is insanely awesome. Um, he bought the painting, which I actually made um, of Octodad for $1,000. So he, that was the prize he received, and I had to mail it to him. And Like a legitimate painting. Like Devin paints like, a, like an actual painter, not like a, an amateur painter. <laughs> and this painting was amazing. Um, we had to send it to him, and it took forever to get to him. But there's a really neat picture of him like standing by it. Yeah, the painting got caught up in customs. It was weird. Oh, the terrorist painting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how it got, We don't really know why it got caught up in customs. We just uh, were tweeting back and forth with Notch. He's like, I still haven't received it. We're like, we mailed that two months ago. And uh, Phil ended up calling the post office. And then eventually, I don't know, um, he had to go pick it up at the post office on his side. Part of the problem, I think he said that they tried to deliver it to his old office, like after he had moved, and that led to a lot of the problems. No. That and, and I think the UPS place I went with, they're, they're like, yeah, like, like, yeah, we, 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 to get through customs, like, just put the lowest amount, like, we recommend, like, putting, like, like $40 for the value, and, like, then it will, like, be the perfect amount, so you pay the least for customs. They're like, okay, whatever, man. But I think whatever deal he was trying to wrangle might have hurt us more than helped us. Yeah, it was kind of shady. <laughs> or, sorry, John, go ahead. I was just going to say, now you guys used Kickstarter. How important is that for, like, anybody? I mean, for, like, anybody that wants to start, like, for instance, like, a game or anything they want to, like, how, how would you explain that? So, when I first figured out what Kickstarter was and, you know, saw what it did, I thought that what made it work was getting the money, was generating enough money to live or buy licenses, which we kind of don't. Mosty only thinks about money. Uh, yeah. Um, but later I found out that, I mean, Kickstarter is really, really way more for advertising and, and showing off and trying to gain a, a following. Um, and then the money thing comes in secondary. Um, it's through Kickstarter that we spread more than we did with the first game because it was showing up on a that normal people, normal people, non-gamers were visiting. Uh, yeah, I don't know how important it is for any sort of project, but it's definitely a very valuable tool in trying to find funding to continue your whatever your artistic pursuit may be. Well, you guys basically did the first game uh, for DePaul, right? To to try and enter into a contest to win, pretty much an award. I understand it was an extracurricular project. Uh, a few professors interviewed a bunch of you and put together a pretty good team, it appears. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like our, our goal was to get a game produced at school that we could enter into the Independent Games Festival, uh, the student version, which is thankfully free to enter for any student. And every student that has a game should do it. And that year, they actually cut down the amount of uh, nominees from 10 to 8, which you know is our lucky number. And we managed to place in the top eight. And uh, we got to go to GDC and experience IGF and everything. It was really fantastic, especially for some of us who had never been to these kinds of um, conventions, these gatherings. That's awesome. I understand you guys are entering again uh, this year, right? Uh, May 1st, I believe? Uh, well, we're entering Indiecade, which is a different uh, competition. Uh, we haven't entered it yet, but we're planning on trying to get something together to submit by May 1st. Um, we do, we will probably enter the IGF this year, which the entries are in uh, November, I believe, or maybe it's October. Um, we will probably yeah, enter this year, October. too. Yeah, we plan on at least, hopefully, getting something together to, to throw out the judges. And it won't be a student version this time. <laughs> so, so past working on Octodad, I understand a few of you guys have like some side projects. Uh, 
can you guys tell me anything that you guys might be working on past Octodad 2? Are you talking about as a company or as individuals? Uh, as individuals, more or less. I mean, is anyone here actually working on something that's a side project? I, kn I know I read someone was working on something for uh, the Unreal Tournament 3 engine. Oh, I don't know. Uh, a couple of the former, because uh, our company isn't all, like, everyone that worked on the like, first game. So a couple of the guys that worked on the first game went, are doing other projects now through school or side projects. Um, Kevin uh, has made a couple small games in the meantime. Well, we don't have any big side projects right now. Uh, like, most of us have day jobs and spend all of our nights and weekends working on Octodad 2. Yeah, because I don't have a J job, I like to I like to do a lot of small side games. I recently, just this last weekend, did Ludum Dare twenty three, which is a forty eight hour game development competition. Sounds interesting. What's that? What's that game about? Uh, it's about changes in in size and per perspective. I mean, you know, when you have forty eight hours, there's only so much <laughs> you can do. Right. But, uh, the theme was tiny worlds, right? Yeah, it was a uh, tiny worlds which you could interpret any way you choose, and most people interpreted to mean a very tiny world. All right, and I believe Michael had had something he wanted to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was actually wondering. Uh, I, I saw that you used the was it the Erlicht engine? Yeah, uh, Erlicht was Erlicht. the graphics engine we used. What are some of the difficulties you encountered when developing Octodad using that engine? Uh, well, that was just for graphics. There's a lot, um, so for physics, we used PhysX and FMOD for audio. The biggest difficulties with the first game was just we were just using a bunch of tools we had never used before. Um, most of us hadn't worked on a full 3D game before, just small 2D projects in school or on the side. Um, problems with Erlicht itself... Um, I mean, the, we were using their editor, which wasn't really great. It's no Unity. Um, so we had to add a lot of extra functionality to the editor, which we actually threw out and made our own editor for the new game, Octodad Delius Catch, so we could have a lot more customization. And it's actually probably better, way better than the Ehrlich editor now, and we might release it as a separate project. Yeah, we <clears throat> a lot of stuff uh, that changed from the first editor that we have now, like the ability to undo, which is a big thing um, for us. When we worked on the first game, we just kind of learned to live without undo. And when it was put given back to us, it was like a like a Christmas gift of immense value. Yeah, um, we also had some problems because the first game used PhysX 2.8, and we upgraded to use PhysX 3.1, and we switched over. Um, the new game, Dadliest Catch, actually uses all hard body physics and the first game was actually a much a more like weird system where his legs were soft body physics and we had to attach those in weird ways so converting that all to a different body was a little complicated. Now seeming how uh, physics is more so a uh, development platform for NVIDIA graphics cards what were some of the difficulties that you encountered for uh, say AMD ATI graphics cards since they don't come native with that support. Uh, well, it's actually just the hardware uh, acceleration that only works on NVIDIA cards, and we actually just turned off the hardware acceleration. So it, it basically was like using Havoc or another physics engine that wasn't graphics card accelerated. Although I believe Havoc does have a graphics card acceleration um, somewhere, but. Uh, we didn't actually run into any problems once we stopped supporting hardware acceleration. There's some problems with the current PhysX editor on NVIDIA cards for uh, for the visual debugger, oh, which doesn't display properly, but that's not a priority for them, I imagine. Now, you guys recently just released a uh, glitch video on your website, and uh, I have to say, uh, the nightmares have not ended for me. Why, why would you do that to me? <laughs> have you slept yet today? <laughs> that's fantastic. You know, one of the things you always get... Uh, compared to his Slenderman, that wonderful uh, internet myth. And as, oh gosh! As you can see through the the glitch video, there's a couple scenes where he does become Slenderman, which really makes me want to make a level where you just walk through a maze and put children in a sack. You don't do anything except put them in things. So and and to answer why we did that to you uh, is I'm evil. <laughs> we we tried to get Devin to make that video less terrifying, and he wouldn't. He they wouldn't really do tried. Zune Zune keeps requesting me to change the song to something light, more lighthearted. But I I kind of I kind of like the the David I Lynch think, effect. I think the music was a big part of the scariness. Like I felt like I was playing Amnesia. 
Yeah, that that definitely uh, that's what helps with the nightmares. Let me just tell you that. The worst part is his eyes are closed sometimes when he's when he's glitching, and it makes it look like he's in pain. It really upsets me. <laughs> What are you talking about? He is in pain. Right, yeah. You did fix that, right? So I'm not going to have nightmares as I'm playing Octodad 2? Yeah, unless you figure out a way to break the game. Like, most, like you, even uh, big games like Skyrim, as I'm sure you're well aware, have horrible physical glitches. So I'm sure there's a way people will find to break the game eventually. I, I actually broke the first game today doing my speed run. Uh, when I was going for that key in the basement, my feet got underneath the level somehow. And what ensued that was, was funny. I don't even know. <laughs> he was showing his yeah. butt and wiggling on the ground. I don't know how to explain what happened. Octodad was... loves to show his butt. Um, yeah, either, it's a good butt. Either... It's a nice butt. Oh, you, you no. know, you know, Octopi do not have butts. Well, he's either showing his. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. He either shows his butt or he's humping something. <laughs> the the new game will be a lot more stable, though. We do promise that. The, the first game was our first attempt, and there are a lot of issues, and the new game fixes a lot of those, and this is generally a more stable experience, for better or worse. Now, I'm at a crossroads here. I don't know whether to believe that Octodad is in fact an octopus in disguise, or whether he's a human, and he actually has human kids, and the chef is insane and thinks he's an octopus. I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm, I'm like, making all these theories in my head. Well, Octodad... Go ahead. Is a comp- I mean, the game is about, you know, being a dad. And, you know, that's what you are. You're a dad. Um, and that's... Maybe you're insane. And I don't know. <laughs> maybe the chef doesn't believe that at all. I th- yeah, Mitch, maybe you're just going insane. It's possible. It's just about a guy with eight kids. It's, it's about Mel Gibson. Except for Octodad does not hate Jews. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad Devin. You want to take another question there, John? Um, so what, what should everyone expect with Octodad 2? In terms of? Um, just advances in game play, perhaps. Pretty much, and with that, like, do you intend to release it on the Steam platform, or what? What are your guys' thoughts on that? We do. We intend to release it on Steam. Uh, that should hopefully go well. Uh, as far as Octodad, the controls and the moves, he he has a lot more moves now. Uh, for instance. There's a button where you can cause him to just fall limp on the ground like a wet noodle, which is often pretty funny to look at. And uh, he can throw things? Yeah, it's a lot easier to throw things now. My favorite is he, he can get thrown, and he just becomes this ridiculous creature in the air as, he's, as his body just wiggles about. Yeah, we have, like, joints that attach any object to any other object, and we got, like, forces that'll blow objects around. It's pretty great. You can actually walk, like, uh, in the first game, the way it was developed, you can't, you can't ever really leave the ground plane. Um, so in this new game, he's more, it's more, it can do a slightly more platforming elements because he can actually, like, walk up things that don't have a flat surface. I actually didn't have a problem climbing stuff. Uh, <laughs> I actually climbed the fridge in my playthrough, my first playthrough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you can do stuff like that, but there's... Uh... There's other things that he couldn't do in the first game. I think he's talking about ramps. Or like jumping between objects, really. Like, you couldn't really fall in the first game. Yeah, I actually found myself wanting to do what I call the Mission Impossible uh, maneuver, where he does lay flat under the lasers and all that. I wanted to be able to do that just for fun. We added that. Yeah, you'll be able to do that. <laughs> That's all right I now really it's mapped. To, right now it's mapped to Q. We'll hopefully figure out a better key for that. Q for Quop. I'm just glad that, you know, there's going to be more controls because when I was watching Mitch do his uh, playthrough, you know, when he was trying to pick up the key or pick up something, the tentacle wanted to go this way and not that way. Yeah, we, we try to make it less aggravating while still making it um, slightly frustrating, and you have to master it, really. Like, But uh, it, there's less aggravation where things aren't don't act like you think they should, but just act... As a crazy tentacle would. Yeah, now the players know when they are in for an actual challenge, and hopefully his body won't hold them back as much as it might have done in the first game. Uh, has there been anyone in the world that can squish every single spider in that spidal, sp- uh, spider level? Yeah, his name is Greg, and he made that level. I can't do it. It's impossible. I get out of there with maybe half-life, like, maximum. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. So maybe someday that guy will tutor me. 
Uh, one way I figured out is you can actually like put one of your feet right in front of the the vent where they come out of. They'll just ram into your foot and die. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, we're not doing anything complicated with collisions on those guys. So it's just if they collide with your foot, they die. So you can just stand. But I mean, you will have to use your other foot to get the ones coming out of the farther vent. So. You know, good luck. Try it. And then hopping back to like something you said before about the playthroughs, um, there's a hilarious playthrough where the spiders are the only thing in that room that can give him suspicion. Um, and when they're done, you can't get any more, but it says leave the room quietly. And there's a playthrough where a guy is trying to sneak out, and he hits the lamp, and it does a little roll before it falls on the ground. He goes, no, 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 and it hits the ground. And he goes, okay, I didn't lose. He starts playing again. So people get really, really frightened after the spiders, which is fantastic. And the great part is we actually didn't program that lamp to give suspicion, so he couldn't have lost, but... Way more of this, it's more of this implied fear, which Octodad's all about. All right, well, I mean, for the second game, you guys are obviously making it for PC, but uh, I believe... I and will... Mac. And Mac? And Linux. I, I, oh, and Linux, interesting. And maybe a post-iPad release. Uh, so that's what I was actually going to ask, is uh, if you were planning on releasing it for iPad, since it does seem like the iPad would be a good platform to kind of just poke at and just be like, okay, I'm going to yeah. do it like that. Especially with the hardware, the iPad 3, it's really powerful. Um, we, we'd really like to, uh, we're not promising anything yet since we haven't had anything tested on it yet, but we have iPads. And as soon as we get the necessary tools for PhysX and iOS, um, we will definitely attempt it and see if that is going to happen. It, it probably will come out after the PC release, though. Now, do you guys have a, a uh, pretty much set time that you know you'll finish the first game? <laughs> uh, you mean this, the deadliest catch? Is that is that what the extra levels are called? Oh, oh you mean the, the first game? Right, yeah, the, for the first game. I know you guys said you were still trying to finish it, give it like the proper finish or something. Uh, we're, we're, we're no longer working on the first game. The, the extra levels were kind of added as a finishing touch, um, kind of like a bonus. We, we planned a third extra level that never really got fully finished, but... Um, yeah, the the first game is done. We'll we'll continue to fix bugs on it, but there won't be any content added. You could just say the uh, the third mysterious level is uh, is the uh, is what became Octodad Two. Just put that out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just ballooned into its own long adventure. Totally. <laughs> like episode three for Half Life, baby. Hmm? Well, one thing I want to know is. How did the company name come along, Young Horses? So we have this weird and unholy comedy that is generated between us when we're all together. And um, we really got into horses, um, which, which is great because when we started getting articles out and people were referring to us, they call us Young Heroes or something, um, which is cute, but not, that's not as cool as Young Horses. Um, and well, you were going to say something, Devin? Uh, I don't know if I was, but um, we spent most of IGF trying to convince other members of the team to go with that name. I don't remember why we loved this name so much, but it's pretty we good. We were hooked. Like, we, we, you started a Tumblr that was just pictures of horses. Um, oh, I, start, yeah, I started a Tumblr of, of just pictures of uh, young horses for a while, but like most Tumblrs, I just couldn't keep it up. We had a soundtrack with all horse-based music. I was one of the people who needed to be convinced that it was a good name. And our logo is pretty interesting, too. It's a horse riding a horse, like a cowboy riding a horse, but it still gets completely misinterpreted by two horses um, going at it, which is fine, which is perfect. Poor Chris. He, he was the, he's our lead artist, and he had to make the logo. And any time he had drawn a new one, we look at it, we're like, yeah, that's sex. You drew sex again. <laughs> So were there any games that you guys were playing that gave you the inspiration for Octodad? It came up more from like an idea session, and as we built it, we realized what game it wasn't necessarily maybe uh, unconsciously inspired Octodad, but we we yeah more unconscious. It has like, to be unconscious. Like a lot of a lot of us a lot of us have played Quop, um, and I played a lot of uh, Nobi Nobi Boy, but I wouldn't say that those were direct influences at all. But when we finished the uh, yeah, the, the most direct influence was Jurassic Park Trespasser. That's where the original idea came out of. It's so has anyone, has any of us actually played that game? I actually played that game, and I thought it was well, fun. Well, the arm's ridiculous. Like, you pick it up and you throw it around, and it's just 
unwitting and awful. Um, and we, I don't think trespasser, like, I think that was something we realized halfway through, and then our advisors were like, don't tell anybody that trespasser um, had an influence on this. Yeah, when having to throw anything in that game, it was frustrating. Yeah, there's a great quote on, like, the Wikipedia article for that game, where it's like, it tried to make everything super realistic, but in effect, it made everything unrealistic because it's so hard to do simple tasks in that game. And we kind of took that concept of it's so hard to do simple tasks that are easy for a human and made it into a game. Uh, another big influence was a, a game called EnviroBear 2000, which is about a bear driving a car. It's a great game. There's lots of uh, child child's play uh donations based upon that game it's that same kind of thing where there's a bear trying to do a normal thing but it doesn't work because he's a bear and uh especially because he's just got one arm trying to control like the the acceleration the brakes and the wheel at the same time also minotaur in a china shop in the in a, in a china shop um where you're just trying to do delicate things but you can't because you are an animal built not for delicate things i think part of what made octodad such an amazing game is the aggravation from the controls but i mean other than that the art is amazing the music is amazing i mean you guys really made a great game and for it to be free i've i've downloaded it i think three different times so far to various computers i've spread it around everyone i know well thank you yes thanks mitch but uh for the second game it's coming out next year are you guys going to do pre-orders or anything past that i know the kickstarter people are getting it if they donated 10 or more but uh i know i want to give you my money we're not we're not promising anything but um look but just just keep following us and pay attention around this fall we might uh start doing pre-orders that come with the preview demo we might not, but I'm just hinting at But we that. might. But we might not. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys again for joining us. This is the Young Horses. Uh, we have Devin, Majdi, and Zoon. Uh, I'm Mitch, and John joined me today for the interview. And I hope that you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, stick around for more after this. And, yeah, that's a horrible segue. But here it goes. And that does it for this edition of the 7-Day Cooldown. I'd like to thank Christian Ivanovic, Mitch Fryman, and John Sullivan, and the entire 7DCD crew. Tremendous thanks goes out to Dan Connors for being our second featured guest, Joe Battelltale for putting this interview together, and Sean for getting our audio settled. Thanks to the Octodad team, and you can follow us on Twitter at 7DCD. You can also follow me at Jack Eineker. And if you have any questions for the show, you can reach us at podcast at 7daycooldown.com. We're on cooldown. See you next Monday.